Welcome to a brand new episode of the Soccer and Fitness Show with your host and creator of the podcast, Sean Spencer. Today is going to be episode 68, episode 68, and it is the 13th of August. I do not know where the time's gone, but that's where we are, 2023, August, coming towards the end of summer now. So I left off with with the podcast a few months ago now, um, and the plan the plan was to to be posting pretty regularly. But as we all know, life has different plans, and that's been the case for me. So we've had a little bit of a break during the Women's World Cup. I got asked to guess sort of feature on on a podcast so i've been doing that we were covering the england games and i'm actually going to be recording a show tonight with about england versus nigeria and then another one versus uh colombia so yeah i've been i've been enjoying that but other than that i have not posted on here for a little bit so the plan as per normal was to to get back on back on track with things and yeah here we are and no better time than the start of the the season we've got the start of the premier league this weekend last week was the start of the championship and we're also halfway through the the world cup today i wanted to talk about a few different things um so It'd be good to talk a little bit about sort of Man City, Brighton, Liverpool, Chelsea, and how they're doing in the in the Premier League. Also, we're going to quickly touch on Wrexham being back in the Football League, and tactically, we're going to discuss a little bit about relationism. Now, if you're unfamiliar with with what that is, it's a different sort of style of of soccer of football than positional play. If you are not unsure with positional play, that's basically what Man City are doing at the moment. And uh, Guardiola is probably one of the most famous ones in the current era with positional play. But yeah, we're going to be looking at an alternative called relationism. And we're going to just briefly touch on Fluminense, a Brazilian team and and a coach that's that sort of embraced it last year and been relatively successful with it called Fernando Diniz. So, yeah. And what I'll probably do with with this over the next, you know, over the next month or so is I'm going to dig a little bit deeper into relationism and and sort of yeah, do a couple more podcasts on it because it's it's quite fascinating. And there's glimmers of it sort of appearing in European soccer at the moment, uh, mainly in Sweden. But yeah, we'll get to that. Um, Other than that, as is tradition on the podcast, I am sat here with, with a beer. And it's pretty ironic, actually, because the majority of the time when I've done these podcasts, I've normally been drinking Montucky Cold Snack or Peter's brand, which is a Dutch-style Pilsner. And the reason why I normally have them is because I used to go to Trader Joe's quite a lot in March, moved apartments, and basically if I want to go to Trader Joe's, I have to drive where I've got two other supermarkets, uh, Safeway and PCC, on my doorstep. So I don't 
really have the need to go to Trader Joe's. But today, went to a brewery earlier, which is right next door to Trader Joe's. So popped in there. And yeah, today, the beer is Peter's brand. All right, sit back, relax, and let's get started. Okay, here we go. Uh, Just quickly as well, during my sort of sabbatical with this, uh, Anchor, which is the the hosting website that I was um, posting the podcast on, which was part of Spotify, Anchor seems to have gone away and it seems to be just podcasters for Spotify now. So I'm still getting my head around it, but on the, I can sort of ask questions and um, there's a way to like monetize it, which which I have done. And if you want to support, you can support. But I think you have to sort of click on and find the dashboard somehow. But I'm going to dig around and figure all that stuff out so you don't have to worry. But anyway, let's, I suppose, first thing, let's touch on the Women's World Cup being played in New Zealand and Australia. It's been going on now it's been probably three weeks maybe four weeks and we're up to the semi-final that's taking place on on tuesday we've got we've got england sweden spain and australia the host nation so they're the four teams left the usa went out early germans went out really early um Italy, Brazil all sort of went out and Japan went out. So it's been, so far, it's been a, a, a crazy tournament that's been wide open, wide open. I don't think there's any necessarily trailblazers, but I think I think the mean average of the teams across the board has been, has been pretty, like, solid. You've had, like... France, the teams that I've just mentioned, uh, Nigeria, South Africa, Jamaica, all putting decent shows on and, and causing causing the, the, the traditionally big teams uh, issues. So yeah, it's been it's been a good tournament. The standard's been good, and yeah, I've I've personally really enjoyed it. For me, with the time difference, hasn't been too bad. I've been getting like. One game at sort of around midnight, midnight, one o'clock, and then with Fox, Fox have all the games on the app. So when I wake up in the morning, I can have a coffee and and watch one of the games during the that was played through throughout the night. Um, obviously, trying not to spoil it for myself and uh, give away the score, but yeah, that's that's where we're at. Um, no clear favourites, I would say, at the moment. Obviously, Australia have got the, the the home fans and they've really sort of grown into the tournament. They didn't start well, but they've just they've just sort of done enough and kept kept pushing on and now and now they've got their best player back. Uh, Kerr, who's been who's been out injured, so she's now back in the uh, England's coming off the back of the Euros, looking pretty solid for the most the most part they've had they've not had an easy ride of it uh the probably the easiest game for them was was china but china as asian champions are no pushovers 
So again, quality throughout the team, and and they've they've just done enough to get it over the line. Uh, certainly against Nigeria and Colombia, where they were one 0 down. Spain, Spain look. If it wasn't for the Japan game, which they lost four 0 you would say like Spain were out and out favourites. They they dominate possession. They're, they're able to score. Um, and they've looked they've looked pretty impressive throughout the tournament, but yeah, that one game against Japan where they where they got beat four nil sort of leaves a question mark on them. And then of course you got Sweden, who are you know they're like the third best team in the world, pretty solid, tall team, physical team, great on set pieces, and and they can play a little bit as well. So yeah, you've got four teams there. No idea what's going to happen. So, yeah, it's just one of them. I'm just going to sit back and and enjoy it, really. Uh, Moving on, Championship and the Football League. So, and the Conference. Conference, League 2, League 1. And the Championship started last week. So, I've been been watching watching that a little bit. Couple of teams of like interest for me, obviously with uh, Reading, with last year, and now they've got a new manager and stuff like that. In so I've been I've been watching them. They've been beat the first first two games. I was looking at the team yesterday. They had seven seven players that played last season. So eleven uh, seven starters in the starting eleven that played last year in the championship. Um, and you know, I probably do have like a little bit of a of a bias, and I know a lot of the like criticism last year of of Reading being a little bit too defensive and playing four five one and stuff like that. But it just it just shows you know going into you go into League One with pretty much the same players, and you try and play a little bit more expansive. It can be it can be difficult. Um, you know, when you just don't have the players that that you need to be able to play that way. So yeah, that it's gonna be interesting to to watch to watch how that unfolds. I saw the Port Vale goal yesterday. It was a bit of a mess on Redding's part. So yeah. Um we're just gonna we're just gonna wait and see. Like I said, new managers just come in uh during pre-season and first two games of the season. So it's hard it's hard to, you know, you can't go judging anybody. Um, off that short of a period, but again, I'll be I'll be watching. I enjoy I enjoyed sort of like following the teams that I've like been involved in in, in some capacity. Uh, Wrexham, so Wrexham, uh, you know, spoke about them previously on on here. It's an interesting one for me with with Wrexham. I actually went for a job with them. I think it was like 2014, 2015. I spoke about that in one of the previous podcasts. Uh, since then, they've gone on to, you know, be took over by Ryan Reynolds. Everybody knows pretty much about this, and the big thing for them was to get out of the conference. Conference is a very, very difficult league. Not two teams get promoted out of there. You don't have the EFL money coming in, so you know they get like a like one million. I think it's just slightly over $1 million to get to help offset the wages, 
which at that level is is a massive amount towards the wage budget. Uh, and they, they were kind of stuck in there. So, you know, Wrexham have spent a lot of money, made big improvements to get out of the league and went toe-to-toe with Notts County and managed to, managed to get out of the league. So they went to the USA on tour over the summer. It's been fun. I've been watching uh, Ben Foster's podcast and uh, the YouTube channel. If you, I think it's called the Fozcast. If you haven't seen that, it's really, really interesting. Interesting for sort of uh, coaches and and goalkeepers, I imagine, with the GoPro in the in the goal. And it's also good to get like you know a pro player's perspective on on certain things that uh, are going on in the game. So, yeah, highly recommend that. But Wrexham, Wrexham played the first game. They got beat by, who was it, MK Dons, and then played Wimbledon this week and got 1-1. So, yeah, it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy for them in, in League 2. And, you know, again, if you're, if you're not from England and you're not really aware of, like, League 2, you haven't really been on to a League 2, ga- League two game, it's, it's very difficult to to put into words, but there's there's a lot of variables at, at that level. You know, not only do you have the different like pitches, again in America, the majority of teams are playing on are playing on plastic. You know, these are playing on grass that the upkeep of them vary massively depending on the team and the team's budget. Then you have, you know, weather, massive like variation in weather, especially during the season, as you get into winter, um, you know, I take, I, I coached at Morecambe for for a period, and yeah, the winter, the winter there, you know, you're not getting the sun, so the grass doesn't grow. You get in the frost, so where the stand has the shadow, the like the frost on the pitch is like rock solid. So, and then you know. It just becomes a bit of a like a mud bath in certain certain parts of the uh, the field. So, having said that, that creates something of a leveler. So, if you've got quality players that want to play on essentially like a carpet, that nice flat, perfect surface, you ain't getting that at, at League Two. So, there has to be, you know, this like practicality to how you how you play and you know if I was to, to to sort of coach at that level you know you have to get the spine of the team right you know you need that that goalkeeper that can come out claim corners and free kicks which are a massive part of league two football you need that center back that experienced pro that's willing to put his head on everything, can read the game, um, is able to to sort of usher that like younger centre back. You need the midfielder, that that sort of governor that's going to run run the show in there, the engine of the team, and then uh, you need that number nine. and And you look at the the Wrexham team, and you're like, are, are they? Do they have that? I, I I think so. You know, they got Ben Foster in goal. Um, who, who's out the back? Is Tozer his name? And then you know we've got um, Big Ollie Palmer up front, the striker. So he 
he's been around. He he knows like the football league. So I think I think Wrexham have got a, a quality squad at the moment. They've just added in uh, McLean. If you're unfamiliar with him, you know he's he's been around the circuit. He he knows you know what's up. So and that's that's going to be vitally important. But having said that, it's still not going to be it's still not going to be easy for them. And and again, like the money doesn't guarantee you like promotion at, at that level so much. It helps. Don't get me wrong. It helps, especially if you can get the squad. But um, yeah, it's definitely going to be another another battle as you get into League One. You know the the, the quality starts to to show a little bit more, and then when you're into the Championship, it is you know it's being able to attract them experienced ex Premier League players or top top level players that for whatever reason are struggling a little bit, whether it's they're a little bit older or injuries or need a little bit of um, experience you know the the younger guys who Chelsea Liverpool Man United City who are on loan so yeah that's that's my opinion it's my opinion on uh, Wrexham Uh, moving forward Premier League so Friday I sat down watched uh, Burnley Burnley versus Man City which Again, was a fascinating one for me because, excuse me, just have a sip of my beer, because you had Vincent Company, so centre back for an ex centre back for Man City, great player, great leader, then went to Anderlecht in in Belgium, did did pretty well over there in Anderlecht, and then and then got the job at Burnley in the Championship. Again, championship, probably one of the most difficult leagues in the world to, to coach just because of the volume of games. And, you know, pretty much the majority of teams in there are kind of sleeping giants. They've all, a lot of them, uh, like 90% of them, I would say, have, have all been Premier League teams. So it's not it's not an easy, an easy league. However, Burnley, ex-Premier League, just, you know, recently been relegated had had a budget then you have a sort of a attractive manager who can who can bring people in and yeah they played played phenomenal the 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 football that they were playing was impressive they would keep possession of the ball positional play which were you know we spoke about briefly with uh, Guardiola and yeah they they dominated got promoted first place but now they're into the Premier League, where the budget is, you know, if if not less normal. Um, and what do you do with a possession-based team? You've played possession-based all season, and now you're into the Premier League, and your first game of the season is at home against Man City. What what do you do? Now, I thought overall, I thought Burnley did a good job. Um, but you just can't. Man City is very, very difficult to to stop. Um, and what I found was interesting is Burnley. Burnley were trying to like press them a little bit higher or defend a little bit higher up the field. Um, and what you saw was Edison, the goalkeeper, Ward, 
stand on the ball, but none of the Burnley strikers were willing to step in because they knew as soon as they did that, he would then pass it to the free player that the striker came off. And then, you know, they've got the numbers up and you're up against it. So Burnley stayed disciplined in, in there and the goalkeeper, you know, just kept walking up towards the halfway line. And, um, you know, Man City struggled a little bit with with playing out. It wasn't as clinical and as smooth as, as probably they would want. But they're also not a one-trick pony. You know, if they get across and it gets into the box with Haaland, you know, it's game over. And that's pretty much what happened. It took three minutes. Um, and you see you see the defenders. I don't know. I, well, I do understand what they were, how they were defending. But you just can't defend like that when, when Haaland's there. He's just going to take a step off the defender, find half a yard, and it's a goal. And then, you know, he, he followed that up with, with a second goal. So Man City looked... The, they're a dangerous team. They're a dangerous team. And I'm going to be intrigued to see who who can stop them. I just feel as though you need somebody with with real guts to, to take them on, like a Bielsa. You know, you put Bielsa with like a Man United or something like that, then you know, they're gonna he's gonna be smart enough to understand what they're gonna do, but they're they're also gonna be you know, at the races. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how Burnley do against uh, teams that aren't um, Man City. So, yeah, that that was that game. Um, And then Brighton. Watch Brighton for a little bit. Again, really interesting one. Uh, Zebri, unbelievable coach. Um, Saw saw a little bit of... um, how do you pronounce it? Sal Saluto in, in Italy. And, you know, just fascinating, fascinating how he how he plays. Uh, I spoke about one of his assistants that went over to Turkey in a in a previous previous um, podcast. And I just I just like I like what he's doing. I think it's fascinating. And um yeah, that's why I was watching playing Luton again, newly promoted, but they just—I just think they're too clever. Um, and the interesting thing with Brighton was, you know, they've lost half of the players. They've lost half the players because all the other teams have seen how well they did last year, and they've all been picked off. But you know, again, like the system they're playing, he's able to replace them. So yeah, great start from them again. It's going to be fascinating to watch them during the season. And then that that brings us to today's game, which was Liverpool versus Chelsea. Chelsea, Pochettino's come in, great manager. That The club just needs cleaning up. You know, the quality's there. Um, Chelsea's massive, massive team. Now got a, a tremendous manager. You know, the mess all started when they got rid of Thomas Tuchel. You started last year. Um, you know, and and it just unravels. It was it was all very messy. So I'm expecting Chelsea to be back to normal this season. They looked they looked solid. They looked like they can. You know, they got strength and depth. And and again, I think um, I think Pochettino is going to do well. 
Moving over to, to Liverpool. I think it's interesting with Liverpool because you can start to see now, clear as day, that Klopp is changing the tactics from what Liverpool used to be into what he wants them to be. Um, the new additions of uh, McAllister and Sobo in, in midfield, I thought did, did well, even McAllister as a six. Um, but it, it looks to me, it looks to me that Liverpool are always going to be able to, you know, if need be, have possession. But it, it seems that they're going to be like how Madrid used to be with that like counter-attacking um, way of playing. You know, when Barcelona were the team that were just going to control possession, and Real Madrid would sort of let them have the possession, not necessarily like sitting deep or anything like that, but weren't too bothered about you know, controlling the game. And that's what I saw today from Liverpool. They seemed like they were quite happy for Chelsea to have the ball. But when Liverpool got it, you know, it was quick, direct counter-attacks. But if they needed to take take the sting out of the game a little bit and keep possession, then they did that. Uh, Don't get me wrong, definitely not the finished article. Um, I think they're a long, long way off at the moment. But Compared to last season, I can kind of see now what they're trying to do and and where they're going. So, yeah, I think maybe a signing or two will come in. Uh, A few things just need cleaning up. But, yeah, it should. I'm I'm positive. I'm positive for uh, Liverpool next season. All right. And then let's talk about relationism as the the final part of this this podcast so i explained earlier briefly explained positional play guardiola sort of made it pretty famous you you know and you see you'll see like let's say the the back four and then wide players go out and they'll have a pivot and the six all the players know the roles and the responsibilities within the system if the fullback takes that wider um, wider area, then, you know, one of the top players will come into that interior corridor, dropping in between the lines and so on. Everybody within the, the team has like a specific role and a specific task. Um, now, with Guardiola, he's, he's always said that his job was to control it to the attacking phase and then let the creativity of the attacking players to sort of unlock opposition defenders. Now, what I've recently discovered... Now, this other way of playing is called relationism. Now, what on earth is that? So basically, if the players within positional play have the certain positions and they move around sort of like clock, clockwork, cogs in a clock, this is pretty much up to the players in, in a way. So if the centre-back wants to drift out to a wide player, you know, they he he can do that or she can do that. Centre back, 
you know, if they want to take the ball out, move into midfields, um, and join the, the centre midfielders, they can also do that. The players play off each other and, and go with the sort of the flow of the game a little bit more. So depending on what the opposition are doing, they they will sort of um, change with that. So if you imagine, if, you've, if you're familiar with your uh, superheroes, it's like, um, what do you call it, Spawn, you know, instead of like Spider-Man. Spawn, it's like ever-changing, difficult to defend. Um, and one of the sort of the, the people doing this at the moment is the Fluminese head coach, Fernando Diniz. And you'll, if you ever watch any of the games, I think there's some, there's quite a lot of uh, clips on, on, on YouTube and it's kind of strange to see. So the ball, if you imagine like the fullback playing the ball into the left winger and they'll, they'll have like two centre midfielders will be over on that left side. The left winger's got the ball. Striker might be over there, but then the right winger or the right fullback is wide open on the opposite side. But instead of like looking to switch the play to that open side, they carry on playing through the traffic, and it's it's kind of like insane when you see it. But some somehow it it works. Now. What's fascinating me at the moment, and again, I'm going to mispronounce this, but um, Raquel May's, you know, famous Boca Juniors, Barcelona, Argentina, and he's, he, he, he's sort of tagged with being the last um, like playmaker or enganche, which translates to hook. So basically that meaning like, you you know, the ball will get played into him and then he feeds it off to somebody else, um, whether that be the centre mid, the centre back, the full back, whoever it is, it goes into him and then it spins off to, to another player. Now, since he retired, that sort of role has almost become extinct. Now, what's interesting with this uh, relationism style of playing. A big proponent of the enganche was that players would play off the enganche. So wherever Raquel May was, players would take their positioning off that player. Now, relationism is different to that, but also kind of similar. So players aren't necessarily taking the position off one particular player, but they're taking the position off other players. So, you know, then if the fullback comes up to the left winger, then the left winger is going to move. Now, different to positional play, where if the left winger did that, uh, if the left fullback took the ball out, then the left winger would go into that interior corridor, say, or the left winger would... Uh, you know, make the the run further down the fields, whatever the pattern is, with relationism, there is no patterns. So if the left fullback takes the ball out and that left winger wants to drop 
to come almost side by side with the fullback. He has the position. And if he does that, then the centre midfielder might be the one that drops in our left fullback and the striker might become the left winger. So is this sort of holistic way of of playing, which again, you know, if you if you enjoy this type of stuff, it's pretty fascinating because again, I, I spoke about Brighton, spoke about Burnley, Liverpool, City, you know, pretty much all the top teams play positional play to to a sense. There's there's these patterns. Now, I briefly spoke about it coming over to Europe. Uh, there's a there was a coach in uh, Sweden for Malmo who, again, it was different to Fluminense, but there was there was some of the elements were were there. Now. Again, for me, I, I like to see where, where football, where soccer's going in, in the future. Um, you know, back in back in 2007, 8 and 9, you know, is that Barcelona, Guardiola era. Um, then, then I became, like, fascinated with Bielsa in them early years of uh, Bilbao. And then, you know, you had a couple of his coaches who who went off, like Celta de Vigo and, and, and stuff like that. And then recently, it's been, you know, it's been the era of, of Guardiola sort of making this positional play, like were the kind of untouchable. You know, you had the players with the coaching. Um so yeah, so for me it's like, well, what what is it? What's going to be next? Where where are we going to go? How how do you defeat this? Like, what what are the tactics? And I I think I think there's going to be room for this relationism, and I also think there is going to be room for the enganche. But we will have to wait and see. Again, probably going to do a podcast on this alone, um, so stay tuned. Again, I'm, even though I haven't been perfect with with uploading, I'm hoping to, you know, get back get back with this. Again, coming towards the end of summer, I think that's also something that plays into it. You know, the weather here has been absolutely stunning in in Seattle. So, you know, you're wanting to, to get out and, and do stuff and, and the day's sort of, you know, unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. Okay, right. That's it from me. Uh, thanks for listening and I will be back soon. Bye-bye.